All right. So today's SimCast episode eight, this is uh, going to be known as The Craft, as we're calling it. It's going to be a series of videos in the future that are going to be separate from the SimCast. And as Ashes launches and is well into um, its future, we're, we're going to be discussing different, uh, more specifically, the different uh, class archetypes, class skill breakdown, ways to theory craft, and some of the uh, implications that that will be whenever they give uh, patches and, and do class adjustment and changes because one of the end game for a developer, one of the end game goals, problems, and constant battles is always going to be uh, dealing with the changes that are made, whether it's we've launched it, we've made a change now, or five years down the road, balancing the classes and the skills is in game for developers that is the thing they are constantly working on so today for this episode the craft we have daedalus who's returned once again welcome sir thank you we have rebel strike you've seen many times here how you doing and uh they have been here we did have sinbad that was going to join from vengeance however he wasn't able to make it um so today we're going to be doing it with three of us but i believe that we're all passionate about this enough to where we're going to have a pretty full conversation still. Uh, so first of all, I don't know if any of you all have any notes of this week. I don't really feel like there was a lot out this week. Um, this is one of those moments I've discussed in one of the past SimCasts where I like, feel like it's important. You have a community, you know, manager that's there to keep things going. Um, after packs and leading up to packs, things got more lively, um, you know, on the Twitter and on the discord and, and then right afterwards, we had the live stream, which was last month on the 4th, I believe, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 And uh, May 4th. And so awesome, awesome thing that they're doing is they've announced that June 4th. So FYI, June 4th, next live stream on the Ashes of Creation Twitch. Make sure you're there. Um, it's usually really fun. Uh, the last episode was really great. And I'm really looking forward to the next one. Uh, with that being said, I'm glad they're doing that. It's great. This is where they're the gap though between community and and the intrepid team right now is uh, swaying a bit. And this is the thing we talked about before here at the Simcast. And that's during these periods where you've got like nothing really being said, people the momentum diminishes. This is one of those times where you really got to keep the momentum going. So even if you're just posting new artwork, you're uh, anything, anything. It could be like I think it, it could even be like a five minute snippet of you know some kind you know in the in the art studio they're doing an art project or something I mean, it could be anything literally it could be bouncing around and touching base with people in the studios are hard at work it could be anything i think it's very important to keep that going that momentum going um that's just my take that's what i think um so there hasn't been anything in the past week uh that i can think of announcement wise or really anything that's kind of a note is there anything you think i'm missing that maybe you all have heard because um i do know last week that they actually added two more uh, community managers um so that's one thing yep. i didn't want to bring up uh, right one of them, do it oh i said right because it was what alluring and uh, uh pump uh, i say punt is what i usually punt, say but punt something. Yeah. yeah he's like dead man's price now is his name he changed it on discord sneaky sneaky but <laughs> Yeah, I'm glad both of them. Actually, I feel like they're really good fits. Alluring's been on there active forever. Uh, like, I, I feel like I saw her name pop up a little after I was kind of lingering around there, and she's been pretty active. And, you know, she's a really good example of kind of what the community needs right now. 
but more of like somebody up in the top of the of the uh, dev team or not dev team, but in the Intrepid team that's kind of keeping in touch with the community, I think. Uh, anything you could think I might have missed, Daedalus? Anything you've heard? No, I mean, other than the live stream, the new mods, um, I haven't thought of anything. It's, yeah, I agree with you. It has been somewhat silent. I know, you know, the devs, devs are heads down and definitely can mm -hmm. see the value of a community manager at this mm -hmm. point. And yeah, I mean, you don't, like you said, it doesn't have to be much. Um, but yeah, just a little something each week might not be a bad thing, right? Mm -hmm. Not any extra work for the team to say, hey, check this out. It's pretty cool. Yeah, anything. I mean, I'm rocking this. My my desktop background is has been for like I don't know for like a month now. I think it's that uh, I believe it's it's the art artwork uh, concept art for I believe it's the Mage's Tower maybe or the Scholar's Tower something like that. It's mm -hmm. got like the uh, it's like a you know it's got like the sun and the planets and all that. Freaking love that one. Like that's definitely like one of my favorite pieces that I've seen from them. And I mean, even if, I mean, if it was like, you saw something like that once a week, I'd be like, hell yeah. Like, cause that to me is just great just to look at that. Um, and just to have that. Um, <clears throat> so yeah. And I, I agree with you, Daedalus. They, they're really busy. And I know these guys have got their heads down and they're really just doing the work. And so whenever I mention stuff like this, I just don't want them to think, oh, he's hammering us on something. It's not the case. I, it's just, it's just thought, it's just thought something I, I feel like is important, but I can, oh yeah, I agree. They're working. I agree. Yeah. I know they're working hard and I really admire them for how they're hard work and it's easy to go, oh, seems fanboying. Like, no, I just appreciate people that are, that know what needs to be done and they've been, you know, they've been hard at it. I respect it, you know? Uh, so I want to look at the face sheet. Now I know this has been out there for quite some time and the face sheet is the, the, um, visual uh class list that they have the breakdown if you will that they released months ago months ago it's been ages now almost since it came out and when you look at this sheet which it'll be up on screen here shortly for the viewers during the during this incast on youtube um you have the base class archetypes right this is your fighter your tank your rogue your ranger your mage your summoner your cleric and your bard right and the way this works is there are potentially another what eight total yeah so mm -hmm. you take the base classes off to the left side and you take the base classes again on the top as you see it on this uh image and the way it works is your base class the one you choose is your left so if i choose fighter or tank that's my primary class that's my archetype that's the one i'm stuck with i can't change it and therefore i have eight potential ways I can adjust that class. So fighter, for example, when we go to the right, we got fighter with a fighter is a weapon master. A fighter with a tank is a dreadnought. A fighter with a rogue is a shadow blade. A fighter with the ranger is a hunter. A fighter with a spell sword, or sorry, with a mage is a spell sword. A fighter with a summoner is a blade caller. A fighter with a cleric is a high sword. A fighter with a bard is a blade dancer. That's one class and it's combined archetype possibilities, aside from just being a fighter. When you mix it with another one of the eight archetypes, you get this new breed of what your base class is. And so they've mentioned this is going to change the primary skills and how they function. Uh, they've mentioned some other things too in the past, and I don't wanna get too, I'm not gonna get into too specifically now, but basically the idea of a shadow or a light type of uh, 
I believe augment. Is that the right word? Do you know if I'm right about that, Daedalus? Or yeah. Right? Augment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's basically that that can either do more. Let's 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 say, for example, light. I mean, I like light and dark. That's kind of one of my things, right? Light and darkness. It's uh, I like hearing that kind of language because, you know, the, my inner paladin's like, ah. It's like by the light, I'll smite the demons. You know what I mean? Like, the nerd, <laughs> the the nerd, the nerd. Yeah, the nerd life, man. It, it's very hard life for the nerds. Um, so yeah, I look at this and I'm like, yo, we can go down the list for the viewers and for you all. You can be looking at this. Um, I look at the face sheet and I'm like, you know, they said what 64 combined class combination possibilities, right? Right. And we know each. Of your primary class, whether it's fighter, tank, rogue, ranger, mage, summoner, cleric, bard, has another eight potential once you cross it with one of the other archetypes. Whether it's another one of your same archetype, tank and tank, or it could be something else like rogue and tank. Now, I look at this list, and I know people have made criticisms of this before. I look at it, and for the most part, uh, now, I'm not a subject matter expert on this. This is just a guy and his thoughts and his, his views on what feels like it vibes is the right kind of name or, uh, um, you know, identity, if you will. But I see, you know, fighter and a fighter weapon master that I could get that. I get that. I get that. You know, you go down a ways though. And you're like, where is it at? Um, I think it's rogue and no, it's not rogue. It is I'm looking for it. Yeah, like Bard, Bard's pretty cool because it's like, it's viewed as a support class a lot of times, but mm -hmm. Bards can be pretty strong in some games too. And you got like a fighter mixed with a Bard, right? Or let's say Bard with the fighter as a second, you got Telsword. Some of these names, they feel like they work, right? But I'm going to go through and there's a few that I'm like, mm, I don't know, man. Like Tank with a Ranger combination, Ranger, to that makes a Warden. I kind of get that. That sounds to me about right. A tank and a summoner is a keeper. I'm not really, I'm not sure about that one. One I'm very, you know, a big fan of is Paladin, obviously, right? Um, but when I think Paladin in most games, I always, I always gravitate to it's, and again, we're not trying to be like other games that get it. We want to be innovative. So my thoughts might be just a kind of a mute point, right? Because it's almost like contradicting myself a bit. But based on my experience, I, I think of a paladin and I'm going tank is your primary, right? To become a paladin. So you're a tank first, a cleric second. That makes a paladin, right? Now a tank has others that if you mix like fighter with a tank, you become a knight. I get it. I get it. You make uh, a tank with a, a tank, you get a guardian. That, that makes sense, right? To me. You go tank with a rogue, get a knight shield. I get it. You know, shield. Night Shield Rogue, right? Uh, I get it, but I'm looking at Paladin. And this one, you know, at first I was like, yeah, tank, yeah. I'm usually a tank or a healer in most games. Uh, damage dealing classes tend to be a little boring to me. And it's probably the challenge for me of either through dire circumstances, mitigating the damage and taking it and being like, you can't take me down if I'm a tank. And if I was a healer or a cleric, right? Uh, it's like, you know, I will not let my group fall in combat. And I have a lot of pride as a player when I'm doing one of those two things. Now, as a damage dealer, I think that my problem with being a damage dealer usually comes to that 
damage dealers, it's all about DPS and numbers. And I feel like a lot of the games, which we'll talk about this in a little bit, a lot of games have really dumbed down the potential for theory crafting and people get tunnel vision because they, they pay less attention to pretty much everything else except for their little number bar and their little cookie cutter builds a lot of times where they're spamming the, the right buttons or they've got it macroed with the right abilities and the right combination. They're doing no work. Um, and I feel like that's a big part of why I used to enjoy doing damage in a lot of MMOs. Uh, we'll go with WoW specifically. Rep Paladin used to be fun to me. Uh, after Wrath, it got real boring and just, ugh. It used to have access to so many abilities, no matter whether you were a tank, a healer, or whether you were Prop Pally, you know, Rep Pally, or Holy Pally. You had the same uh, access to a lot of different things, like Holy Shield, I think, was maybe one of them. Um, and I can't think of all of them right offhand right now. But So when I look at this, before we get too much into like talking about where we stand on um you know things that are near and dear to our heart i look at that and i at first i was like i get it you know because i'm all i i usually play the, the the paladin that has like a mace and a shield that's like kind of my favorite go-to um but i'm looking at that and i used to think tank with a cleric it makes sense because i think paladin you know they rule the light they they support their their group they uh, bring a lot of not necessarily utility, but they kind of in a way uh, buff and um, you know protect a lot of their party. So when you go tank and then you mix the cleric, I get it being a paladin. But then I started thinking about it here over time, and I'm like, well, cleric to tank is an apostle. And I thought to myself, I don't know how that works. Like. It's almost like in the reverse, right? It, it, I feel like it should synergize a bit somewhere in there. Like there should be a little bit of a crossing over in different ways, probably. Like when it went cleric and then you go to fighter, it's Templar. And I kind of get that. To me, I kind of get that. But when I look at Paladin, I also thought to myself, well, I always think light wielder, uh, you know, kind of bringing protection to classes. And I think... I could easily go cleric to tank and that could be paladin too. But it depends a lot on what they end up doing with the classes, right? And they've already said, was well, it quarter three? I, and don't quote me. And if guys, if I'm wrong about this, feel free to correct me. I want to say in one of the Q and A's, maybe it was during PAX, uh, Steven had said that, uh, or maybe it was Bacon or one of them said that they'd be working. They hadn't really worked on the actual class skills and those types of things, it would probably begin worked on quarter three. And I know in quarter four is when alpha one kits, and that's when you're gonna see the sieges and things like that happening, the more big PvP uh, battles and stuff. So it's kind of a mute point. They haven't worked on the abilities, but since they have put some out there for us to look at, I feel like it's cool to talk about it. Are there any on there that you all feel like don't fit the combinations? Um, I'd have to say, I mean, one of the class combos I was pretty excited about was uh, Fighter Cleric, um, but I'm not thrilled about the name. High Sword. <laughs> I, saw, I saw High Sword and I'm like, hmm, okay. Um, I mean, I I kind of get what they're doing because, you know, you've got kind of Cleric and other places like, you know, High Priest. That makes okay. sense. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. But mm -hmm. High Sword, it just didn't seem like 
I don't know, powerful enough to me. Like I was yeah. thinking more like zealot, right? Okay, I could get behind that. You know, you're fighter, you've got some sort of rage mechanic of some sort, right? Maybe zealot makes sense there. Um, another one that I was kind of questioning on still, I mean, I'm not in what I'll just kind of preface this that I don't normally go the healer route or the tank mm -hmm. route. I'm normally kind of a melee DPS caster type. Um, but I, the one thing that I didn't um, quite get either was the cleric-ranger combo being protector. I kind of on, honestly saw that as like more of a tank-cleric uh, combo. Right. Because right? you've got that idea. And then, you know, paladin I can get, right? Most games tend to maybe do paladin um, as kind of tank healer. I know uh, I have played a, you know, retribution paladin in wow for years mm -hmm. so i'm kind of kind of stuck with that in my head but i still you know would be okay with with paladin being a tank cleric but i'm just not i'm not really thinking that it fits to say protector for a cleric ranger um the only other one that i would say maybe you know bard tank you know siren seems to be more like a caster type um, mm -hmm. So I don't know. I, I might move that somewhere different, though. I'm not sure that I have an alternative for that. <laughs> but uh, right. but yeah, I would say those are the ones that stand out to me really from the list most. What about you, uh, Rebel? Well, after after you saying that about the uh, the bard and the, and the tank, I, I've got a, I've got a pretty good name for that one. I think it might be like Soundwall or something. You know, something like that. Kind of. Whatever. Yeah. Um. You know, I I really I really don't have any beef with the uh, the names. Um. There's some that I think. I'm sorry. There's some that I think that could um could be a, maybe adjusted a little. But honestly, you know, to to come up from looking at looking at it from their perspective as a as a development team, I'm sure they're going to have a lot of <clears throat> a lot of tweaks, not just the names, but abilities, class changes, stuff like that. Um, for something to be presented for us to think about um, and to get the opinion on, um, which is why we're here. Yeah, I don't think it's too bad. There's not a lot of stuff that I don't disagree with. I would say that if you're going to change anything, try to think of alternative names for things like Warden. I see Warden on here at least three or four times. Um, and it may be, you know, uh, shields, it, it, it may be a perfect description, um, but uh, maybe a little bit uniqueness to at least the wardens, because I don't think that's very specific. Um, I just think it's very, very broad, and maybe that's what they want. That's the, probably the goal, they're, or what they're trying to, uh, just trying to throw out there and, and get their, you know, the ideas flowing, but um I think the wardens are definitely overused, and that's just my opinion as far as the list is concerned. See, I'm like looking at this right, and when when Daedalus was talking, we looked at fighter and a cleric. I look at that high sword, and I almost feel like instead of down below where cleric and fighter are at, and that's Templar, I almost feel like I, I see a Templar as being like a fighter of kind of like almost like the light or divinity right. or something, and so I think of a fighter with a cleric right so a fighter for the light or for a divinity which a cleric might then 
you know, be more appropriate of a fitting uh, description for. I almost feel like instead of High Sword, a Templar would fit there better. That's just me. Yeah, I could see those getting swapped. Right, right. Okay high Sword. Mm -hmm. And I could see High Sword going right down there. And then with the word high in there and sword, it implies cleric first, sword second, which would be cleric first, spider second. So I feel like Templar and High Sword could totally switch. Mm -hmm. And then I also see, okay, Apostle. And I believe this is for, okay, cleric. Now I see Apostle and, um, where is it at? trying to get this one down apostle and spot my cat is trying to like bug me give me one um <clears throat> but i'm looking at some of these and i think okay apostle cleric and i think i even think i see high priest but i i can kind of i can kind of get using high priest and like high sword and having the word high but some of it to be honest and intrepid i love you guys i'm just gonna be honest some of it seems a little lazy. And the reason I say that is it's okay to come up with a brand new term never used before that could fit it. Some of these, I also see necromancer and I see, um, was it under mage? It's spellmancer. So if I'm a summoner and I cross as a second with a mage, I become a spellmancer. If I'm a summoner and I cross second with a cleric, I get necromancer. I do not see in any way how a necromancer even is tied to a cleric. Like, I don't see how that works at all. To me, I think necromancer, you know, warlocky type magic, uh, summoning maybe dead or summoning dark figures or creatures. I could see necromancer being summoner and maybe even, uh, you know, something more like shaman-like. Um, a lot of times shamans are tied with, uh, um, you know, in, let's look traditional WoW. Not every shaman is like this, obviously. But in WoW, for example, totems and things like that, well, we don't have to have totems and stuff. But if I'm a summoner, that implies I'm summoning something, an entity, a deity, uh, an item, uh, something that has a significance that ties into usually nature or the earth or something, and then provides some sort, sort of bonus. And I look at summoner and cleric, I don't see necromancer. I just, there's no part of me that can make sense of that. I can see I, necromancer... I I, I can too. <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel I feel like if you're summoning something uh, and you bring life to it uh, from the dead, mm. that could that could be relatable to a cleric. I mean, yes, I it's it, it it depends on if if what you're summoning looks dark or light. Honestly, it's it's the appeal of how it actually is applied in game. So yeah, and I think Steven said something to that effect too when he was mm -hmm. talking about augmentation. I don't want to jump topics here, but no, yeah, go for you, it. Your um, right, you, right. your clerics are your masters of life and death, right? So I kind of see, okay, I'm kind of going the death route. So a cleric and a summoner kind of makes sense, right? It does make sense, uh, actually. Yeah, glad he explained so, that. What about spellmancer? What does that mean to you? Uh, I mean, that one, again, you know, that this is, I guess, the part that, that I'm, like, really struggling with, not having a lot of information out there, is mm, you're yes. like, okay, I kind of get, yeah, this, I, I, it doesn't speak to me. I'm not going to say, you know, without knowing anything about what they're doing with, you know, the summoner, other than, you know, what we know so far about the mage and what we've seen in the paxes and et cetera. 
maybe you're like you're able to i don't know craft spells so that okay you're conjuring kind of there's a conjurer there at some point i think um in the list here but yeah it's like you know summoner summoner okay yeah that that feels right but spellmancer i'm still like hmm i don't know when i, I have to see what it's doing go ahead breville sorry uh when i see spellmancer i'm thinking like maybe maybe a ward someone who summons wards like a like a ward, ward caller or something like that um uh, a rune uh placing runes on the ground you know for your teammates going over it getting utilities um putting wards on your teammates you know something as a support role um so you know it sounds all right um i think it could be altered to a to a, to a better name um a, a rune caller or something you know a ward yeah, uh, even ward really mm-hmm. just ward itself yeah, I was thinking Rune Master or something would kind of sound right, or Warden, or like, you know, Ward Master or Ward something. It makes sense. I, You know, actually, after y'all were talking about Necromancer, I see where Mage and Summoner cross over, and that's Warlock. That actually kind of makes sense to me. What about something like Charlatan, though? I, I, I can't even comment on that. Or Minstrel, which, here's what I like about Minstrel. It's not normal language you see for classes. So that one's kind of cool. And Charlatan, I mean, you don't really see that as normal for classes either. Cultist, I see on there. That's cool. I, most of these make sense. Like, I actually really like Rogue with with seconding with the Ranger becoming Predator. That's That makes total sense. Like, um, but anyway, um, but I like, I like what you said. And so kind of part of this conversation where I was fishing out was, um, was not enough information. And I can see... I can see how they don't want to talk too much about some of these things at this point in development and share too much about it while the game is being created before they get to a point where they're getting ready to launch it because, and here's where, and this is where I'm going to advocate for the lack of information in this area, even though it drives me nuts and I wish there was more, I get it because how many times have I talked about the problem with uh, media like movies, music and games is copy of a copy of a copy we're redoing the same thing over and over and over how easy would it be for another game to go i'm gonna take that I'm gonna take that take that take that bigger studio perhaps take that take that to tap get it out before they're ready to launch the game even like yeah. at, at some point when they're still you know some other game is uh just you know trying to you know go through and get their pieces in place and they're tight on information and they're not sharing anything either it's like oh well ash says we saw what they did let's do it first and you know, make them look like they're copying or something. That so I can get it when they're wanting to be innovative, not wanting to share too much. And so I get that and I can respect that. But anyway, I'm just looking at the list and some of these don't make sense. I liked a few of them I, I really like seeing on here before we kind of move on. Sentinel, I like seeing. I love that for a class. Um another one, Battle Mage, I like seeing that one on there. Yeah, me too. I like Battle Mage a I lot. I really wish Battle Mage was a tank and not a fighter to be completely honest. Yeah, I could get that, but I get, I get why they, you know, battle and, and mage. But some of these, you know, hey, for all, Brood Warden, I'm like, uh, interesting. At least it's a little bit different. Um, Song Warden, that one seemed a bit lazy to me. Trickster, I dig seeing that one a lot, though. Oracle, pretty cool. I like seeing Shaman. I like seeing Scion was a really cool one. I like seeing that, too. Um, Paladin, of course. 
But anyway, regardless of what your stance is and where you all you know lie on looking at this and how you feel about it, whether you agree or disagree with us, um, it's still food for thought and it's still thought provoking. And I think it appeals to a part of me with the, the RP element of me that enjoys my character's story and having a story and, and feeling that my character story fits the way I want to play as well, based on the way I traditionally play, which is why I point those things out. A lot of what I say and how I'm approaching it clearly was different than what Daedalus and, and Rebel here had to say, and neither is right or wrong. It's just, it, it gives you an idea of how we, we tend to play, how we encompass names and how those identities fit. So I feel like it's important as, as you go forward looking at classes and how you may choose to play in the future that you think about that too, not just on the name or just what someone says is going to be strong, but does it feel like the identity you want to have in the game? Because for some people, that's very important. Um, and, and if we know anything about Ashes, it's very possible that a lot of people, they'll pick something and they'll be like, oh, it sounds like the way I want to play. Well, the narrative is going to be so different for people that some of those, uh, you know, trendy, let's go with what this person says may not be what's the best fit for you just because it looks good. Um, but with that being said, moving forward on class skills and why it's important to be innovative. Um, currently we have four classes that they have shared the skill trees to granted, like we said, they have not worked on, They've not truly worked on the combat system yet. I get that these things are in place right now and we see it when they live stream, we see what abilities they've got and they may have talked about it. I can see a lot of that changing and I do hope that a lot of it changes because when I look at it, uh, some of them don't seem that unique. I can think Hunter, for example, I'm not even looking at anything right now, uh, but you, they, what was it? Uh, on the last live stream, maybe I think he was like doing a drop in some AOE or whatever. And it, like an AOE kind of area, arrow spray sort of thing, which mm -hmm. how many times have we seen that in a game? Oh, to be honest, I actually like that. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of people, a lot of people I do like it. The popular. volley, the volley is volley is what I was thinking yeah. of. That's the name. Um, I like the volley. So before I kind of get into talking about it too much, um, what are what are some of the reasons it's really important for you all to have a uniqueness and it maybe it doesn't. But it is a theorycrafting episode. I'm assuming that we're all here to talk about it because we want some, we want theorycrafting back in games. ESO had the opportunity when it launched to do some really good things, and it dropped the ball hard. And I was really let down by that one because, like I've said before, so many class trees, skill trees, guild trees, PvP trees, right, that are in there, uh, world skill lines and stuff even even vampire and werewolf and stuff like that and such a small fraction of those trees are even used even with all of the skill points that you can obtain in game so little is used and it was a huge letdown because when that game launched i thought man finally right after years of playing wow and playing other mmos where it's such cookie cutter stuff like wow didn't used to be like that like i said I could play a rep pally and have access to a bunch of other skills. They took it all away in Kata. And then you're just left with this like just handful of stuff that you barely can mix between. You pretty much got to play one little way. I know Revel, I think maybe last night we talked about this and you had an idea about why that might've been happening. Uh, uh, but when you, when you see how a lot of games currently MMOs specifically 
are using abilities and how, in my opinion, lackluster they are, just how minimalistic they are. Um, how does that cause you to feel about about playing a game for you guys? Oh, I mean, I have to say, I mean, I've been a WoW player for, you know, decades now, I guess it is. And the one thing that really um, drew me to Ashes of Creation wasn't, you know, just limited to the node system. I think that kind of got my foot in the door. The other part of it was being able to mix and match classes. I mean, I don't think any other MMO has really done it well. Um, I mean, I know Rift tried to do that um, with, you know, different souls, but then you still had a calling you were kind of pigeonholed into. And it, again, you got into those cookie cutter builds. This is, you know, how you're, if you're going to play a mage calling, you kind of need to use these trees. The rest kind of are terrible or not as effective. Um, and I would have to say with with this game, I think you're absolutely right. Don't homogenize the skills. Make choices matter, um, I think is kind of the big takeaway. And, and give yourself a multitude of options and make those options mean something. So we've talked about the classes and how primary and secondary can kind of give you a flavor but there's other things too the devs talked about the social organizations religions um other things that you could invest into that could build out your character and that doesn't just mean oh hey i get x more holy damage if i um you know proceed down my religion path right it might be something even more unique than that and, and those are the things that are going to make the balancing more complex, but I think it's going to make the gameplay more interesting. My thing is, is like relevance. Like uh, when I play a game, I want to feel relevant to the content that I'm playing. I want to feel relevant to the world that I'm engaging in as a character that I am playing as. And as, as long as I can be interactive with not just my team, but also interactive in the world and be able to have that impact that, you know, is kind of promised to us that the node system will bring. Um, how much of an impact at that specific moment, we may not see, but an impact nonetheless. And that makes us relevant as a player and keeps us engaged into the, uh, the actual world itself. But as a class, as classes and how they're developed, um, what, I'm just basically gonna go back to, to relevance. I mean, as long as, as long as that kind of, you know, happens, then uh, I think you're gonna keep my attention. So I mentioned ESL and the reason I'm mentioning ESO, and I'm probably going to refer to it for a while, is because WoW doesn't hasn't even done this in ages. Um, I played SWOTOR for a good bit too. You didn't see it, um, and and a lot like what Daedalus was saying, you know, whether it's religions or any organizations in the world, stuff like that, guilds, etc. Which guilds were unlocked with the Kickstarter uh, because of beating backer goals, etc. Um, how did those things impact? So when ESO launched, right? Now, I remember way back in the day in the closed beta, here's one of the mistakes I feel like ESO made, 
prior to launch, one of the several, was that they did not allow a whole lot of what was going on in the beta testing to even be seen. And I feel like that was a huge mistake because they could have learned a lot from feedback from the community. Granted, you're going to get a lot of casuals and you're going to get a lot of elitists and you're going to have that. You're going to have a semi-hardcore kind of mentality too. However, they, they were limited to, to the feedback of testers and you know, they didn't, they didn't allow a lot of things to be shared. And so with Ashes taking, being bold and, and allowing a lot of that transparency early on, granted not during these testing phases, but uh, when, when ESO was getting ready to launch, the appeal to so many skill trees was, I was just, my theory crafting brain was just in overload with the, with the possibilities. And the idea of using, let's say the mage's skill tree line, for example, and saying, well, I could roll a mage and on one set of my one weapon bar versus the other weapon bar, when you weapon swap in between them two, the two of those, you had your active abilities you could use, you had your passives that were, you could, you know, uh, skill tree into, um, you had your ultimate and you had your, uh, you know, quick slot, which was like your potions and things like that. Um, they, they were real early on, you know, shared publicly, like people data mined information. It was like, oh, we saw Warden. So Warden came out in Morrowind, but Warden's not new. It was on the table for when the game was going to launch early, right? And a lot of people were like, oh, you know what I mean? They're going to be like an additional class. So, but then when the game launched, it didn't come out. And here's why I'm mentioning the Warden class. It was, it was presented briefly to the public as a purely support class. And not a lot of games have been doing that in quite a long time. I would say probably even well before WoW, um, back in the old what Dark Age of Camelot days and other things. I didn't play then, but I've known a lot of people who have, and you know, would play different characters that they would really not supplement the group dynamic. Right? They may not have been. And here's where we're going to tie in numbers versus mechanics and group dynamic versus just this idea of what a lot of people have about games now. It's like who has the highest numbers is important. Who, what Warcraft logs, whoever can hit high on the parsing can be the best guy or whatever. There's nothing really unique about that other than A, they've farmed the exact gear it takes to get the output they need. And B, they follow the right rotation that a lot of other people are using. And the difference is probably situational awareness and knowing when they need to hit their buttons. And that to me is you know, more along the lines of how I see progressive content really mattering to me, it being relative, being difficult. If you just pull in somebody because their numbers are high, then what's the point in having these other people, right? So it's all about DPS, heals, and tank. Well, they've dropped support forever. And when ESO was going to have the, the Warden come out at launch, I was like, oh man, wow. For the first time ever, right? make it to where having a character that their primary isn't being the top damage and the primary isn't being the tank and the primary is not being the healer making it important. So I thought Bard, okay, that that's cool. Summoner, maybe those types of things, you know, filling support in nature, but still fulfilling a very vital component to a, a group composition. Um, so I feel like the fact that there's been a lack of really support being important is a problem to me. I also feel like one of the things that's really dumbed down theory crafting, it happened to ESO add-ons. I feel like add-ons are kind of a bit of a problem. I, 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 in ESO go minimal and in WoW, I try to go minimal, 
I like to be able to have a nice, neat, tidy UI, and I like to have it nice, clean. If you ever see me stream an MMO, it, it's a really great perspective. I keep most of my stuff at the bottom, and I like to have all of my scenery, all the look, looking good stuff up at the top area, pretty much the dominant portion of the screen. And when you have a lot of add-ons, I feel like it takes away from the group experience because then you got people, then it promotes tunnel visioning for DPS into watch. I don't even like using the word, the, the term DPS, but the damage dealers then tunnel vision into that. And what do they start missing out on a lot of time? They tunnel vision, they aren't watching the ground, they're standing in the fire. So I feel like add-ons have brought some problems to the MMO genre. And I can, I can understand from a, I've been a raid leader, I've done progression content, I can understand feeling the necessity to be able to monitor. But I mean, I remember in SWOTOR, uh, when I played SWOTOR, right, they didn't allow add-ons. People still found a way to do it. So whether or not Ashes allows something like add-ons, people still find a way to do it. There was, I don't know what the program was. You ran it separately and it literally was just monitoring your game. I remember I was actually able to have it sit on top of my window when I played the game. And it was just sitting there over my screen, not in the game, just like a DPS window. So people are still going to have it if you really want to have your numbers. But I, you know, all the times I've led raids and stuff, I look at the, I look at what my group composition, I look at having vital people in the group, right? Like I used to always in WoW have a shaman. You always wanted to have your mages. You wanted to have your heals. You wanted your, you know, raid healing. You wanted your, you know, direct healing for your tanks and stuff like that. So you had your paladins that put beacons on the tanks if you had a single. Uh, primary and you had an off tank and things like that and you you know those types of just dynamics and mechanics and over time they've taken a lot of skills away and I feel like now it's gone down to this small little set window of things that work and the idea of anything that's support in nature is just considered weak and I'm looking at bards and I'm looking at summoners and, and a lot of these combinations and I'm really hoping that every, and they've said this is important to them. I'm really hoping every single class is just as important and vital as the other when it comes to progressive content, whether that's, um, you know, they've mentioned what uh, uh, potential, what is it like? Um, I forget the name, man. Uh, some type of arena, combat arenas. I think they mentioned in the last live stream, you know, possibility. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, raids, of course, dungeons. Sieges, World PvP. Uh, but what concerns me is is theorycrafting gets killed. They listen to the, a lot of times, the casual, and, you know, this might, you know, bother people when I say it, but when you go with what's easiest and you make it to where you can make the most money, right? You sell out your community. You sell out your in-game content because you really just want to make sure you got a lot of people playing. You start to really lose a, a lot of uniqueness because that's what so many places are doing. Um, so for me, something like a support class is a very unique, something that could gen like genuinely buff your party so strongly that without that person, your numbers aren't going to matter. And if you're a raid leader, like I said, I'm not looking at numbers all the time. I'm looking at things like dispels. Uh, I'm looking at who took a lot of damage because they weren't avoiding certain mechanics on a boss. I'm looking at overall damage of the group because you can't focus on one person, right? If the RNG chance at a boss fight is that we place some rune or some AOE underneath five people, and in order for them to do the damage, they have to be casting said abilities. They can't instant cast them on the fly, right? They lose damage if RNG dictates they're the ones on top of 
that boss area effect that goes underneath them and they have to move multiple times, their damage might significantly be lower and therein their numbers may not look higher. So if you focus on that, you miss out on the fact that there's a lot of people that are doing their job. So I feel like mechanics over numbers is vitally important to progressive content, to the how parties should be built and what makes them unique. So with me saying that and having my little rant about it, I'd really like to hear some of your all's thoughts as to what you feel like makes the party combination or composition unique. Um, and maybe where a lot of games are failing in that theory craft slash support slash focusing on numbers uh, component or regard. Well, I'd have to say when I saw the class list um, and saw Bard on there, um, I would have to say there was happiness in the Herald's household because <laughs> I played Dark Age of Camelot. I played City of Heroes. Both of those had support components. Um, and I actually played a minstrel um, in in Dark Age of Camelot. So I love the fact that I wasn't a damage dealer, but at the same time, I was helping the party tremendously, right? I mean, to the point where, I mean, again, that I wouldn't say their implementation was perfect, right? Because at some point, you know, a party asked me, hey, can you just, you know, leave your character online, even if you go AFK and just leave this particular spell on? It was like a power song or something so they can farm. So not going to say that implementation is perfect, mm -hmm. but something like the controller in, um, in City of Heroes, it was the knockdown, drag out, most fun I've ever had in, had in an MMO just because of the amount of things I could do, like hold people, toss people around. I mean, it was an amazing experience. And it really opened my eyes to what a support class could do and how a support class could impact the party without necessarily being a DPS thing. And, and I have kind of a unique perspective on add-ons. Um, I absolutely love add-ons. I'm not a huge like DPS meters person, but I do like add-ons. I do like customizing my UI, you know, that kind of thing. Not anything that's like, you know, I can't see my tune and I can't see what's going on type of thing, but I do like add-ons. But I'm actually totally behind the choice that Intrepid's making about no add-ons, no DPS meters, because the arguments that I've heard, well, you know, you can't really optimize your character. And if you don't have a DPS meter, you don't really know how to raid, right? That to me is a blowback from World of Warcraft. Me too. Right, Where they went from being somewhat more unique to, okay, what's going to be the easiest thing to implement, what most people are going to want. And then you end up forgetting about that fourth role, right? You just have the Trinity. The yes. Trinity is the thing. Mm -hmm. And again, right, going from an experience where support was something that was a boon to the party to not having it, it's almost to the point at which even the gameplay is, CC is like a non-thing, right? Unless you're in the really high tiers of, you know, rating and other mm -hmm. things, yes, CC does have relevance there at some level, but the general player, the casual player will never know that it's, you know, a good thing to maybe, you know, crowd control and I, you know, a, an enemy. And that, that to me is, it feels like you're 
you're taking away some uniqueness, right? You have these abilities that you use every now and then, as opposed to something, hey, this is relevant most of the time. I think it's funny you just said that, because uh, I think that's what's lacking. It's, like I said in my first statement, it's the relevance. Um, the, the, the thing that's lacking is also you, uh, you, you just don't give enough to even uh, support classes. So um, I think that support classes should have the ability to put out some type of information put in that output as well. Um, making it, because maybe somebody, if they choose to, they can go to uh, towards and only, um, just only a support role. That's why there's so many classes and, and uh, different types of uh, availabilities for a cleric. Um, you can just be a support role if you want to, or you can, you know, choose to go cleric fighter, or you can you can do some damage and support your team. It's something that I might even play or dabble in, um, probably after Bard, um, myself, uh, or Mage, whichever. Mm -hmm. um, but really, the thing that lacks in the modern MMO for me is just just the relevance of each character. Um, there's always a flavor of the month, there or you know, couple of months or expansion or whatever you want to call it. Not all of the classes and characters are treated the same. Um, there's always a meta, and we're sick of it. It's boring. It really yeah. is. I agree. And you know, when, when Daedalus was talking about CC, that actually was one of the things that uh, I had thought about. I, I always come back to that. And it's, I, I feel like what, what would be, you know, we talk about going back to the basics a lot. And sometimes being innovative is remembering what works right and, and finding ways to make something something profound or something very fundamental uh to that nature or in that nature uh to to really expand on it and to make it unique and to reinvent it to innovate it um there's nothing wrong with sticking with what with what works and a lot of times i you know like you said the the the, the most like the the triforce as i call it like you know you've got the two and one uh you know the dps the heels and the tank and that I feel like that along with a lot of the add-on uh, causes a lot of issues. I, you know, I always thought about too was when it comes to add-ons, it's like I, over the years, I'm like, why hasn't there been a, you know, I, I've, they've always had how you can unlock your UI in some games. And it's like, oh, that's cool. I can, and again, I like it because I can move it down. But I'm just like, man, it's, these add-ons aren't difficult. Uh, I don't, you know, why don't they have somebody integrate it like a drag and drop editor sort of or like a lot of website creation sort of thing or when you have like unlockable ui like just having some certain things in, like in the game right like some things like um i feel like scrolling battle text can be good when it's when it's minimal um some games have some of those things eso has done a pretty good job of implementing certain of things like that like uh scrolling battle text for example uh percentages and things on your health bars being able to finally move things around and wow you can do that now too you didn't used to be like that it was either used an add-on so you could have things where you wanted them or you had 
you know, you could unlock or it was stuck where it was at and let, until they came to where you could unlock it one day, you know, but how cool it would be if they just, for that perspective, UI wise, like had certain things in the game and you could just put it where you wanted it to be. Um, instead of having to have a lot of just, I hate having to do add-ons because I hate having to go and update them all the time. And, and I use some, certain ones like ESO. I like certain ones because I can like, you know, get the ones for the map for the sky shards and back in the day you didn't have that but um this isn't really an add-on conversation it, it it does it does have an impact on the group dynamic though and i feel like it takes away from the the people that are having a, i mean the camaraderie the the going in the journey together watching your stuff in the environment like cc for example having situational awareness i feel like was more the thing when there weren't as many of those types of things in the game. And I agree with what Dayla said, CCing. I feel like it's more important for me, if they want to be innovative, to focus more on like um, just the different, maybe not, I'm not going to say phases, but uh, the boss abilities and uh, CCing ads, for example, it's commonplace and wow, now it is really just line of sight a bunch of shit and just drop a shit ton of aoe nuke it all out and it used to be you really had to be careful and you did want more support oriented classes that had higher cc uh, which is crowd control if you don't know what that means crowd control is when let's say for example i've got a mob or a group of five ads up to the left or to the right i gotta say this because not everybody knows if you got a, a mob or a group of um, different enemies that you are working on cutting your way through to get to the boss ahead of you, you've got this group. And if you pull them all at once, you might have a problem where your whole group gets wiped because the damage and the CC they or the throw on you can destroy your group. So you used to have a hunter that would trap one. You had uh, you'd hex one with a, what is that shaman? You'd um, polymorph one with a mage and wow. You know, those things were really important. And it would get to a point where people weren't focusing on having uh, a good balance of those different classes because they'd just be like, eh, I'll line aside it and just nuke it all down. And that really dumbs down the way people play. And it also, it, it just reinforces the people that tunnel vision and focus on that number bar too. Um, so for me, I feel like that's part of the problem. So maybe make it more about the mechanics, right? More about having the right combination of, of classes that... When you go into a boss, it's not about whether you have the high numbers. It's about whether you get through the phases and you uh, you deal with the mechanics appropriately. And it doesn't really have to be about the numbers. It could be more about whether you you interrupted the right things at the right times, whether you avoided, you know, focus more on situational awareness and avoided, you know, the root on the ground, the fire that's not a buff, don't stand in it, kind of stuff like that, right? Um, right. That's my thought, but... Um, with, with that being said, I feel like CCing is something that I wish there was a lot more of in the current MMO, like the modern MMO. I don't feel like I see a lot of that anymore. And I feel like having things like that made it interesting. It even encouraged communication between members in the raid instead of it just being three or four that were just doing all talking and maybe the guy in the corners like doing his thing, focusing on his number bar. But uh, he can't really tell you he's not allowed to speak, so he can't tell you that he sees something. Um, uh, I just feel like those elements are important to, to note. Um, but regardless of what you're talking about pushing progression, we're talking about mechanics. Those are my thoughts about it. Um, 
how do you all feel about a player's choice in class and how that impacts their future as a gamer and in groups? Like, like for example, if I choose to play this one class because I like it, right? And at launch it, maybe it's just as viable as others. Then over time, because of the issues we talked about with class abilities and group dynamics, my class almost becomes irrelevant. Um, and maybe I've put a lot of energy into my class and my character, and I've really am devoted to it. And you have the problem where that person's like, you know, bummed out, like, man, I'm not needed or useful in the group comp. Like, what are some ways that they can, you know, really work to adjust and fix that in games these days? I mean, yeah, I think that's a topic that's pretty near and dear to my heart. Um, I've had some pretty high highs and low lows as a paladin in the world of Warcraft world. Um, and I would have to say that was, I mean, to a point where I just stopped playing the class for a while um, because it just didn't feel like it was relevant. It felt like it, um, at the end of the day, just didn't, you know, didn't have a place in a group other than something that was really minor, right, in my opinion. And it's like, okay, yeah, you want to do this in this role. It was kind of like an LOL moment for the party where it's like, okay, well, this is really what I envision a paladin should be able to do, etc. cetera. Um, so I, I guess, you know, what the developers can do there. Um, I mean, they already started it a bit with the utility um, options that each of the classes can have. I mean, uh, and I think they've said it as much, right? We obviously need more detail to kind of, you know, see where it goes, but they wanted to create enough uniqueness with each of the archetypes where it makes sense to have one of each in a party, right? And I think the other way they're they're doing it, and I hope it pans out, is the party size. You're looking now, standard WoW is pretty much, okay, five people, tank, healer, three DPS, move on. Whereas with a party of eight, which goes back to the games that I really had fun in as a support class, City of Heroes, Dark Age of Camelot, even some of the old school throwbacks like Asheron's Call, even EQ2 had like six people in it, right? Is now you have more options to say, you know what? I'm gonna throw in a bard. I'm gonna throw in a summoner, right? I'm gonna bring these other classes that have maybe unique flavor, and that's just gonna make the experience more fun and relevant. So I think the more they can do to, you know, um, help encourage interaction between different types of classes and not make it okay, I'm gonna, you know, grab two tanks, you know, one healer and the rest are all DPS. And that's the way I can, you know, make make it through this content. I mean, anything they can do to anti-Zerg this game <laughs> would be helpful. I agree with that. Man. And say, look, you know what? You're not gonna be able to blow through everything if you just stack a bunch of DPS. Yes. At some point, you're gonna need somebody that you know, keeps everybody's mana topped off. Yeah. That keeps everybody healed in a different way or warded in a different way that a healer isn't going to be able to do on their own or even in a pair, right? Mm -hmm. You know, make those things, again, going back to Revel's point, man, relevancy, right? I mean, make all those classes as relevant as you can. Uh, 
And I don't mean to steal your thunder, bud. <laughs> oh, I, I totally agree with that, man. Like that, man. Yeah, I, I feel like that's like a hit the nail on the head moment. What do you think, Rebel? You know, I just kind of thought about what you were talking about, the eight-man group scenario. And like, let's say, like, take Virtue, for example. We, we're, we've got, you know, a little, but what we got yeah. now? Yeah. Uh, whenever people come in game, so we got a relatively, at the moment, small group, and it's just at the moment. Um, but we got at least eight people, and we're going to do something. But we have two people who like to play clerics. We got two people who like to play mage. What keeps it relevant? The multiple different types, or archetypes that you can combine. And that is what's probably going to make the difference. And uh, what's going to make your, your, your character unique, even though it's got that primary archetype, you're still relevant because you're bringing something else to the table that that other person inside your group or the person you know doesn't have. So that's going to be really interesting to see how it's implemented in a group or guild setting. Um, and I think that that's something that I don't think we've talked about yet. Um, but I think it's really important to point out that it's going to be pretty cool that you're not just going to be limited to that one character and that one specific clash tree and, you know, um, something like that. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. I think that's I like I think that's what's beautiful is the fact that like I'm hoping that in in the situation let's say for example I, I do prefer I I I I enjoy the large raids and this is something I, I just thought about too is you know what are your thoughts about the fact that well let me let me back let me step back before I ask that question um, I like that you have these different eight you have eight more possibilities based on what you, you have your main your main base archetype and then you have the other eight possibilities when you you combine it with your own plus the other seven um and that's cool it, it still means you've got to make a wise choice with what your primary class is going to be but i feel like they've done a good job with 64 possibilities in there you're going to see probably multiple things that resonate for you and if you're like me you know it's it's usually going to sit on the tank tree for me or the cleric tree because those things seem to I've definitely noticed like healer protector, healer protector, right? It's all about protecting and just keeping keeping us alive and going in either capacity, right? Tank or cleric. But um, I agree with you all. The eight man idea of a group with eight man, like Star Wars: The Old Republic, when that game launched, that was great. It was like four man uh, uh, dungeon groups. Uh, I forget what we called the dungeons in that game. Now it's been ages. Uh, and then we had flashpoints. That was it, flashpoints. And then you had operations, which was your rating. And the mm -hmm. operations were were they also eight or was that ten? I think it's it was ten. It was, it was 10? ten. I think, I think it's yeah. ten. Yeah. Okay. And but it was four for the flashpoints, right? For like five. A, I think was it five? Yeah, I thought it was five. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But I liked it because it was it was either way it was all about the small whether it was four and eight or um, five and ten it still kept it in a smaller number category. I like big raids. They're cool. The problem and the concern I would have with the fact Ashes has talked about bringing back big raids, didn't they? So, with that yeah, being said, man. yes. So, with that being said, in a forty-man setting, that that concerns me a bit because I could see them. I could see a lot of people focusing on the Zerg mentality. So, I'm I'm very interested in seeing how they're going to um, really account for that and the things we discussed. But do you have any pros or cons about the idea of forty-man rating versus? 
a maybe more flexible system or smaller system? I mean, I think there's maybe an argument around scaling, right? That you yeah. could have here. I mean, I the one thing I think WoW does well related to raiding is I like the idea of having a flexible raid. I think that's good um, in some instances. Right. Uh, as far as like the 40 man raid, I mean, I think the one thing that, you know, Steven and team keep talking about is bringing the massive back to multi massive multiplayer right and and it is a lot of work for players to not only organize a raid like that but have it be successful and kind of work together to do that but i i see why they're doing it because it's obviously about community building and the, the larger your circle is you know the more you're going to build a community and i think you know from my perspective it feels like that might be a step in the right direction. I mean, we're focusing now, um, you know, in current MMOs and smaller groups, and that tends to, you know, set these little clicks up, right, of yeah. people. Mm -hmm. Whereas with the larger groups, you have a little more, you know, options there. Mm -hmm. And I think kind of along those lines too, um, when you're talking about the uniqueness, right, of each of the classes, and talking about being able to choose the secondary. I think the thing for me that's most important and that maybe drives whether or not the 40-man raid is gonna be successful is how you actually implement how the second secondary augments your classes, right? And I think that could make or break this entire system. If you don't do augments right, if you know, those choices don't matter if it's really homogenized and you don't care if you get, you know, a summoner mage versus a summoner rogue, whatever, right? I mean, I think that's where it's like, okay, how can we bring in people of all kind and still get something that, okay, yeah, these are the kind of skills I want to see. So I'm going to want these types of characters. And again, keeping it, um, as broad as you can get it. So I think that that to me is kind of the the, the pro is building a larger so, social circle, you know, creating more community on a server in an encounter, right? But it's also going to put, I would say more pressure on the players to pull people together, or organize people. And I think maybe that's gonna be part of the fun, right? Um, at least I, that's the way I see it. Yeah, I gotta nope. say something before Rebel before you go. Um, so the forty man raid situation, right? I don't wanna lose my thought, but what I think forty man, I also wonder if part of the reason they're doing that is because remember Rebel, you've always said catering to the casual, right? I always think I'm wondering in this situation, in this circumstance, right? If this is a way of mitigating that, because you can't do it in a small group anymore. You can't do it at the person you can't just pull randoms in as easily you've really got to have a devoted set of people who are willing to commit to being there on time usually when people want to do hard in-game content and opposed to now where when you got raid finder and all these different rating uh, freaking difficulty levels and you know you can manage the group sizes where flex rating is good and everything i also can see it being a hindrance in a lot of ways to being it, it's more enticing to a casual because they can do it and I feel like that in-game really difficult content, I think it's important that that isn't so easy. You've got to be committed to the cause. But Rebel, sorry about that. You're good, man. Um, 
you know, honestly, I'm thinking, I'm look, I'm kind of looking at it from a different perspective. Um, Ashes of Creation says that they want to relent, uh, revolutionize the genre and bring it back to where it needs to be and where we all feel like it needs to be. I think what we're doing is we're taking the aspect on on the game as MMOs are currently. So we're, I hear, I've heard two or three times now, um, trust and how the other players are gonna play and, and all that stuff. What if the power wasn't in the players? What if the power was more in falling in lines with the mechanics of the, the mechanics of the boss fight instead of the actual numbers? Right. What if that's what matters more in Ashes of Creation? Then I can see where forty man and and raid size and all of that doesn't matter, because you're all putting out basically a rough estimate of numbers. You may be getting a crit here or there, but it's not excessive enough for you to be over anybody else. But if if the boss fight is about the actual boss fight, the whole reason why you're there in the first place, not to worry about what he's doing wrong and what she's doing wrong then I think that's going to make those 40 mans viable and make it, make all of the dungeons viable in any um, type of uh, group or party size scenario. So they say they're not going to do add-ons, right? And yeah. even I said earlier the same thing, right? We both are resonating the same idea of, well, what if it's more about the mechanics and not so much about the numbers? And so we don't have add-ons because maybe that's our approach. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know I, either. I would love if it was. And then Me too. And then it, they say, right? They've been saying this from way back in the, before the Kickstarter, world of consequence. Your choices matter. So, if hypothetically, right? I don't know. I'm I'm a content creator, but I don't have the in on any of this. And even if I did, I couldn't talk about it unless they gave me access to do so. But here's my point. I don't know anything, but hypothetically, what if it, what they did was made it about mechanics and therein a 40 man would be viable if you had to pug people because in a world of consequence in the raid group where there's no add-ons to to monitor someone's dps if they didn't meet their mark they as an individual would suffer some consequence and therein you wouldn't need add-ons because it would be visible by their health meters or what happened to them as a character what happened right if they were standing in the fire for example if they didn't you know hit their mark and hit like a synergy for example hit a synergy ability didn't hit their button on time because they were tunnel vision like what if those types of <laughs> why is there ads all over leroy right why has leroy got 10 10 of the ads on him oh, when he's the, dead. yeah leroy <laughs> <laughs> when the guy screams running into the raid group you know that he's got this and he gets one shot that's your your side yeah you know, so Here's your I think I think that, you know, going into like build on what you said, I feel like that'd be cool. Right. Having it to be more uh, more organic to, to how I feel in my environment. Things like one thing ESO did well, and I come back to this a lot because there's a lot of aesthetic elements that I like the environment, the the art style is a good mix between fantasy and a little bit of a realistic look to it. And I feel like that's important because in a game you has longevity different conversation but ui and things like that like the way that i can tab target but i can also aim and shoot at something um adjust the perspective you know to be in more you know wow where you can be way up and looking at your character like they look like a speck on the ground versus they're right over their shoulder 
I think things like that are important. And and if, if you have elements like that in place where you're really more, you feel more in your environment than just tapping buttons on a action bar. And then you focus on elements like that. I think that then we're kind of going in a direction, at least from my perspective, in where we're focusing more about situational awareness, paying attention, communication, camaraderie, and and less about the numbers and more about the uh, obstacle before us. Um, yeah, and I think that that also lends itself to the support class bit too, right? Exactly. If you take the focus off of the numbers and more on the mechanics, then you know what type of unique skills do I need to be able to take this boss down? Is it a really strong set of CC? Is it a, a really strong set of debuff, right? Is it a really strong set of buff, mm -hmm. right? One thing that that I... Um, I saw in World of Warcraft when they took away all the class buffs. Well, they said, well, everybody gets everything anyway, oh. so what's the point, right? right? And then they go and bring it back, right? That's exactly it. It's like, why would I want to bring a priest? Why would I want to bring a mage, right? Yes. Well, they bring something to the table. They make, you know, they bump my intel. They bump my fortitude, right? Yes. And again, it's the same thing with the support class. Why do I need a bard? Okay, well, you know, there's a portion of this fight where we really need to conserve mana or have mana at our fingertips. Mm -hmm. So we're going to need a bard to kind of do whatever their thing is, right? Not just, you know, turn a song and go AFK on, but actually mm -hmm. do something in their skills that really helps keep us going. Right. Um, that's, to me, what's going to make these 40-man raids fun and interesting and and I think move it away from we just need to bring, you know, BD DPS to this. That's what's going to help us win this fight. No, we're going to need to bring our heads to this fight. That's what's going to help us overcome it. Yes. Not, you know, being able to do the most DPS and have the most crits, etc. I mean, yes, that's a component of it, potentially, right? In the really harder content, but it shouldn't be at the expense of the support side of it in my opinion that's yeah, what's going to make it interesting bird mechanics should be just as important as the boss mechanics oh yeah and yeah there's right. a lot of stress on the boss mechanics and it seems like diminished importance on group mechanics and more about the numbers um you know i forgot about this too earlier so dome slice he's a member of virtue uh, the the content creator group side mainly um and he played dark age of camelot i did not right I've never played. Um, I think when when uh, Arc Age came out, there was a Bard class in there too. I, I haven't played uh, Arc Age since right after launch because it's uh, uh, hmm. that's why. Yeah. But my my main idea was that Dome Slice had mentioned the Bard and how the Bard. You know, I've watched him play. Like he's uh, played it before and stuff, and I've watched him. I've even played the game, but I never got to experience it then. I haven't really done in-game in it now either um, on the servers you can play on. Uh, but he plays a bard, if I'm not mistaken. And I would watch uh, him playing, and I was like, damn, man. Like he's really important. Like he's not just some guy you're you're carrying. Like without him there, they aren't successful. So I, I find that to be amazing. And that's part of when ESO was launching. I was like, oh, they're going to bring the warden, a support class. And then they did. And I was like, damn, like somebody want to recognize the importance of like 
making a group not just that that little you know one two three dps heals tank so yeah so i i feel like you know your you all's um you know input today is like just resonates it's it's got me thinking even more things now at this point um but we're i knew this was going to be a long video and we're not done yet and i know it's going to go a little longer for the viewer so hopefully you're really interested in this conversation but I'm going to just talk really quick, and this is kind of one of the last couple points before we end today, transition into next week's conversation, focusing a lot more on specific types of class abilities. They talked about how those change with the secondary archetypes. I want to talk about those things in more detail next time. We're just, you know, theory crafting, right? And you don't have to have the abilities to theory craft. You need a base foundation, baseline of knowledge and understanding of how those things, uh, uh, can be adjusted, used in combination to make things interesting. Uh, we're going to look at the tank and I'm looking at the tank right now. And the abilities that have been listed currently are active abilities. You got hate, which is hatred, which is basically taunting. That's gaining the aggro or the attention of a boss, right? You got bulwark bulwark, which is basically summoning this big, uh, big blockade, if you will, in front of you that separates your team and 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 the uh enemies in front of you it helps to protect the party which they've really displayed that a lot on live streams impel which is uh you know you basically imagine like shooting uh, uh almost like a spear at something in it the the arrow or this uh shard of sorts that you know uh, grapples and attacks attaches to a target pulls it towards you that's the impel ability bash we've talked about the volley with the hunter class we've got cover in the tank break free rush absorb all those types of things you hear these abilities now some of these you're gonna see because some things that are basic still work really well so i look at all of those so just food for thought when you think about abilities like this you think about support group dynamics that we talked about um the content itself that you're in and uh the different roles that you have what are what to you all why is it important in your words to that theory crafting is alive and well in the game? How does it help keep the gameplay unique and in an individual unique in itself? I know we talked about it, but if you had to give it your, you know, your, your two cents, like what would you say is why it's important? I mean, I think why it's important is kind of over and above the numbers game. I mean, I think, you know, we all have unique perspectives and I think, um, it's important for us to be able to talk about those perspectives because it helps us find ways to accomplish tasks that aren't necessarily cookie cutter. Right. Um, you know, so this, you know, just even doing what we're doing now, right. Is, you know, what do I think of when I think of a paladin? What do I think of when I think of a song caller or whatever the classes are, right? It helps us form in our minds what those roles will be like in in the game. And also, I think part of this too is it helps educate the developers on what we're thinking. Um, one of the things that I really applaud Intrepid for doing is they're on top of the theory crafters. They're going in and taking this information in. You know, Steven drops in on, you know, streams to, you know, give, just listen in. He's always talking about how he's listening to his content creators, right? And he's created a program as well, right? Um, to really support that side of it. And I think that to me is, is the, you know, is 
the best way to celebrate theory crafting, why it's important is because it gives the developers food for thought. It helps them, I don't want to say change their point of view, but it might, right? But it helps them course correct in terms of what, you know, people that are providing data can bring to the table, right? Because there's a certain minority within every MMO that is the most vocal. They may or may not be writing. They may or may not have data. So where's the next best place to go other than these vocal minorities? Go to the people that are really pulling the numbers out in terms of, you know, what feels the most useful and here's why and giving point and counterpoint and really trying to educate the developers and not necessarily trying to convince anyone of anything for the most part, They're, they might be, but it's more about here's the data look at the data that we have and then make a decision. Um, my thing about theory crafting is I think it's very, very important for, um, for us to theory craft now. And like you said, get those ideas out there, get people thinking too, uh, be an inspiration for somebody else to, uh, to share their ideas, their thoughts and to have a voice themselves. I think that's one of uh, at least when we when we promote idea uh, uh, ideas and promote thought um, and opinions here on casts and podcasts and all kinds of any any type of media outsource or uh, outsource you have um, any platform you have sharing ideas is awesome. Um, but as far as theory crafting itself, it's very important to you as a player because I think it's healthy for you to create your own battle plan in both in-game, create your own battle plan for uh, for your group that you're trying to support or you're trying to lead. Um, depending on your role in a social gathering can depend on how you theorycraft as well. Um, depending on how you like to play can be completely different. Um, <clears throat> your ideas can be completely different to somebody else's. And Sam, he's, he seems to He's going to be a, a leader, so he's going to theorycraft as a leader. He's going to theorycraft as uh, someone who's going to have the ability not to just lead, but he's probably going to uh, theorycraft on how to support, um, keep him less busy, so he can kind of make callouts or or something like that. So how he's going to theorycraft is a lot different than somebody else, depending on their role, both in game and as a player themselves. So it's going to be that's why theorycrafting is important. And it's important for you to voice your ideas and um, to talk about it like a, like this as well, because it takes out it takes different perspectives from different players. Yeah, it's, it's all encompassing of the different players and the different roles and the capacities, not only in the community, but in the party and things like that. It's vitally important. I totally agree. And with what Daedalus said, um, when he talked about how the devs, you know, pay attention to a lot of the, um, you know, content creators that create, whether, uh, no matter what the content is, uh, you know, one thing that's very important is, of course, you know, listening to your community, listening to what content creators are doing, different content creators, uh, their communities. Um, and I feel like it's also very important to say not just, I think it allows, and the, the main thing that I thought when Daedalus was talking was, it's vitally important because it allows the developers to grow as well. It allows them to evolve as well. and. A lot, the biggest mistake a lot of developers, in my opinion, make is they may listen and watch certain content creators, 
but they'll spotlight and focus on just the few that maybe, for example, are big Twitch streamers. I saw this happen with ESO some, and you see you know, someone comes up with a build and they're dominating in PvP, and th this is not a fault of the players, by the way, not the streamers either. This is a fault of the development team because they saw what was popular and they, instead of evolving, restricted the gameplay style down to what was being seen and what was popular. And I feel like that's where a lot of the skills and trees I talked about being not utilized, I feel like that's where that went wrong. And so when you listen to your community, you listen to your content creators, you see what works, you see what doesn't, you get the feedback, you evolve, you grow, and you take into account the whole and not the part of the equation or the community. I, I agree, vitally important. So we looked at some of the abilities I mentioned. Some of them may or may not sound familiar to some of you who either game a lot or don't game a lot. But the reason I read them out is I want you to, you know, go check it out, look at some of the classes that they have posted, the abilities they have posted. Granted, a lot of these are probably gonna be subject to change, but I wanted to leave on that note with that bit of the conversation because when we come back next week, we will be discussing more in detail some of the specific abilities that are listed for four of the archetypes, some possibility combinations that we see with some of the secondary archetypes that we have available, which is currently uh, tank, mage, uh, sorry, uh, ranger, and cleric, right? Cleric, yep. tank, mage, ranger. Those are the four that we currently have some abilities to, granted probably subject to change. So we can, we can look at those and we can look at the potential for crossing with another one of those four using our nice little guide of this skill tree, or not skill tree, but the uh, class list that we have here. Um, so I agree with both of you. I feel like theory crafting is vitally important to an MMO and its community in keeping uh, that end game we discussed in the beginning of, you know, uh, balancing class abilities and things like that. Uh, it helps to keep that in check and, and for it to thrive. Um, and it also helps to individualize the player, like we discussed. Um, and I think it keeps a lot of the combat uh, and the way people play thriving too. It keeps uh, the discussion going on what is possible and what we could do and that imagination of that almost fantasy element of an archetype or a class and me as a player in that capacity in my character and my approach to gameplay and how it can be just as important as the next person's who could be playing the same class, maybe even secondary archetype, maybe a paladin, and they could play their way differently and it still works and still is important. That is where I feel like it's important when it comes to theory crafting. Agreed. Um, yeah. Do you all have any other thoughts before we kind of round things up as far as our conversations or things maybe you've thought about that you wanna not miss talk about today? Um, I would just say, I mean, maybe to reiterate, I think the augmentation and how that's implemented is really going to break this game. So the more you can kind of give feedback on that, even when we don't know a lot now, the better. I think, um, you know, you said it before, Sim, just be a part of the conversation. Yeah. The more feedback, constructive feedback, we can give the developers now as things are getting formulated you know the better and i think just from a development standpoint test 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 right i mean i think the developers have already said hey these are placeholder or you know we're working on certain things but yeah. really don't 
minimize the importance of testing every aspect of it. I think uh, that'd be my kind of parting words. Uh, Tim, for me, it's just, uh, I encourage you guys to have ideas and share them. Um, if you're going to share them with the development team, remember they're, they may be busy or they may be working on your game. Um, if between now and release, and even when it releases, don't get mad at the development team. Like this is a work in progress. All you gotta do is share your ideas, but don't don't be raising your fist, or you're not gonna you're not gonna get anybody to come behind you and say, you know what, I agree with that. You know, uh, you, thank you for bringing that up. If you come at a problem or an issue that you see and you handle it lightly and with respect. Odds are you're going to have people to follow you that ideology. Yeah, I agree. It's very important at this point that uh, individuals don't take what they see and what they know and call it good or bad because, quite frankly, we're not there yet. We got well over a year and a half, probably, what, right? I think a year and a half until we're even there in the first place. So to jump yeah. the gun at this point and say, oh, this looks like bad because I don't like this ability i'm hearing about or how it works you don't know how it works they haven't even they're not, we're not there yet we got so much work to do they've got so much work to do as creators we have a lot of work to do as a community you can it's important i agree to have a voice to go and do some looking into it to like they listen revel and i are all mentioning um not only if you if you have thoughts and ideas share them uh but don't be afraid to do so and you can go on the forums and do that um you can do it in the discord i'd probably encourage the forums i feel like you know, you never know. You might have a thought or idea. You post a thread and next thing you know, boom, it's a thriving conversation that could go from now until then and well into the foreseeable future post launch. Um, but yeah, I, I think that at this point in time, uh, creating ideas and imagining possibilities is important. And one thing I am excited about next week doing is looking at even though we've only got four classes to do this with right and even though those abilities possibly aren't even what we're going to see later it's it's a foundation to work from to develop a conversation on the possibilities and it might just be food for thought it might just be fun in the moment uh, but those types of conversations are what allows a developer team and a community to grow and thrive and be unique um, so I encourage you all to do so. And if you've got questions, thoughts, or whatever, uh, post them in the video description down below. Uh, ask some questions uh, that we can we can talk about in the next episode because next week we're going to look in to some of those specific active abilities that they have listed, what we do know about the four archetypes, and what the possibilities could hold for, for trying to combine those, looking at some just free-thinking, brainstorming ideas, on the question marks we don't know, for example, augmentation and things like that. I would love to have a thriving conversation about just what the possibilities are. We're gonna step out the realm of reality and go into an alternate world where, oh wait, alternate sounds familiar, doesn't it? Alternate realities, different servers. We're gonna jump into an alternate reality for, for an episode and talk about all of what could be. So uh, you guys go around Robin, uh, promote yourselves. Where can people find you if they want to check into your stuff and uh, and shout outs if you've got them? Uh, well, I'll just, uh, I'll start here. So I'm part of the Guild Sons of the Seven. 
Um, I also create content for Ashes of Creation as the Ashen Herald. Uh, you can find me on my website at ashenherald.com on YouTube, which is where I do um, most of my content creation nowadays. And you can just uh, search for the Ashen Herald. And also I'm on Twitter at, at the Ashen Herald. Um, I post all my videos there. Um, and if you're interested um, in checking my stuff out, I would appreciate it and subscribe if you like it. Uh, I'm Rebel Strike. You can find me uh, here at Virtue on the Discord. Um, link down below. You can also find me on my Twitch channel um, throughout the week at uh, twitch.tv slash rebelstrike. I do want to do a quick shout out before we go and um, hopefully this gets out before Wednesday. Um, on May the 30th, Chili's Tavern is giving away a um, expeditionary pack. It could grow. Um, is, is that how, how it's pronounced? Yeah. Sorry. Okay. It, it could grow if uh, people, if more people join the server. So um, at 3 p.m. on Wednesday, PST, that drawing will be going out for the month. So make sure that you're there and that you're active and online in the chat. Um, and uh, it's definitely worth checking out. The people are awesome and uh, it's a good time all around. Rounds on me. <laughs> yeah, and I, I want to give a shout out today to the Intrepid team. You guys have been rocking it, working really hard. And uh, I know I've had some criticisms in the past about just being consistent. And I also recognize that uh, you all are doing the best with what you got. And uh, some things are more important than others right now. So keep up the good work. Um, look forward to seeing everybody hopefully watching at the June 4th live stream, which if I'm correct, it's going to happen before the next episode, right? No? Or is it maybe another week? I can't even tell. What day, what day is today? Dear Lord. That's the 27th. It's got to be next, what, Friday, I think, Then, Hopefully. Isn't that right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, shout out to the Intrepid team. Keep up the good work. Um, Y'all are doing awesome, and I am excited to see what the future holds and what you have to show us all here in the near future, hopefully. Um, and also, Virtue, if you're interested in joining the guild, uh, we are a very tight-knit community. Um, we really, uh, much like the Intrepid team, which is what I really I like about them, is they uh, really... You know we're very careful with who we choose to bring into the guild and i noticed that that's the value they share it's an important one they they're very careful about picking the right people so we're tight-knit we we're looking for people to basically game with for the long haul not just through ashes but into the foreseeable future for us in pretty much any game but primarily we're building the forces for ashes um also if you'd like to support you in my content check it out all my links all of rebels links and daedalus's links are down below in the description as subscribe and also, I know that he wasn't going to mention it, but Daedalus has probably got a video somewhat uh, relevant to this. It's not the same conversation. It's different. I think he's posting it Wednesday or midweek. Yep, Wednesday. I encourage you all to go check that out as well. Check it out. Give him some feedback. Uh, give him some likes. And if you've liked the podcast here, Simcast, feel free to subscribe, follow, like, share, et cetera, et cetera. Leave some comments and some love. Until next time, I'll catch you all on stream. Have a great week.